Hey everyone, Jesse here. I've created so many ways to connect deeper with the topics and content on this show, from one-on-one and group coaching to learning neuro-linguistic programming directly from me. All these options and so many more are available. Stick around to the end of the episode to learn more. Now, the reason y'all are here, the show. You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. Episode four of 31 days in a row of podcasts leading us to January 1st of 2024. I want to help you in the year strong, fired up, inspired to motivate yourself to make massive changes in your life. I might even do this all the way to February 1st when the baton officially is completed and the years are 2023 and 2024 have seamlessly melded together and we have maneuvered our way into a strong and amazing next year. Today, what we're going to talk about is finding your true self in a forest of negative emotions. A lot of these podcast episodes are being triggered into my brain by people who are in the tribe, which is the listeners just like you who are a part of the Voxer tribe that I created many years ago. And we get in there and we discuss our sobriety, recovery, our ups, our downs, our ebbs, and our flows. And recently, one of the listeners, shout out to Florida, um, said that they were having a hard time with their uh, negative thoughts and negative emotions. And you know, how do you push those away? How do you get rid of them? And the interesting thing about trying to push away thoughts and emotions is it goes back to this saying that I know I've said before, that that which you resist persists. So there's this idea, this feeling around um, thoughts and emotions that we want to embrace them when they come and figure out a healthy way to maneuver through them so we can come out on the other side, not triggered to go back to using not triggered to go back to the habit that we are seeking to break. So when you want to find your true self in this forest of negative emotions, which often can be automatic negative thoughts, which bring automatic negative emotions with them, we were looking for ways that we can begin to shift that. And so today what we're going to talk about is how you can go about beginning the phases in your life of realizing that negative thoughts and emotions are part of the human experience. And I'm going to utilize this whole forest metaphor with a bear because my spirit animal I chose a long time ago was a bear. And I think that telling stories is one of the better ways of being able to discuss things that are abstract. Because thoughts and feelings, while they might feel real, they're actually very abstract. We are attaching meaning to a thought or a feeling. And then that's creating an action and a response within us that gives us results that clearly we're sick and tired of, or we wouldn't be listening to this show. We wouldn't be seeking to make changes in our lives. So let me create the setting for you. Imagine that you're in this deep, dark forest, and there is a plethora of obstacles in front of you in order for you to get to the light of the valley and begin to ascend the mountain of accomplishment, which would be your sobriety and recovery mission. Now you're on this journey from the moment you decide to be on this journey, but in this forest, oftentimes the trail can be overgrown. You don't really know which direction you're supposed to be heading. There can be uh, roses with thickets of thorns having grown up around them and that can represent and 
symbolize the broken romantic relationships in your life or just the relationships in general that have fallen to the wayside because of your addiction. There can be that Georgia moss on the trees choking the life out of you because it's not allowing you to reach your full potential, to get yourself to the highest heights of the forest in order to be able to absorb in the sunshine. There's fallen trees and and branches all along your path, part of the broken relationships and and your broken dreams and your, your aspirations. You're in the depths of the forest, but there is a way out. There is a light. There's always a light, whether it's my show, whether it's, you know, just the suppleness of, of a flower on a beautiful day after a nice dewy rain. Uh, one of the members uh, who lives up in Canada likes to send us pictures of this trail that she walks on whenever she's listening to the show. And she took this amazing picture of a flower with like an insect on it. And like this little droplet of water was on it. If at least that's how I'm remembering it. I could be making that part of it up, but it's just, it was the beauty of the moment and just experiencing the gorgeousness that is life. But it's being able to capture those moments because they can feel fleeting when you're in the beginning stages of sobriety and recovery. This forest of emotions and thoughts. It's something that we have been wandering around in for years. Now, Part of where I think negative thoughts and emotions come from in this forest can be us reliving our past and regretting that the trees ever fell down. It could be looking at the tree being choked out by the moss, thinking about the future and whether we'll ever be able to reach the highest of heights and and finally soar above the rest of the trees in order to feel the sunshine and its beautiful inspiration upon our skin. And then there's also the aspect of how other people perceive us. How do other people perceive the forest? How do other people interact with our forest? So imagine you're your spirit animal, whatever your spirit animal might be. I am this bear and I am in this deep, dense, dark forest. And this is the emotional, just turmoil of the addiction. I made a lot of past mistakes. I know for a fact that I harmed and hurt lots of people, not physically, but emotionally and mentally. And I mean, there are still cases in my current life of sobriety and recovery where I'm still not making the best choices for how it might affect other people. But we have to be willing to balance what is needed for our own selves versus what other people might perceive from our actions and then choose whether to feel hurt or to feel relegated to the back burner in favor of us putting our attention towards working our way through our own forest. I can offer you light, much like, you know, the, the Tinkerbell, I think, is that, didn't Tinkerbell back in that, like, offer light to Pinocchio or something like that? It's like, I can be this bear. You can be your spirit animal going through this forest. And if you're consistently looking back at, at behind you, wondering what you did in the past, you cannot fix those past errors. You cannot go back and replant the trees that have already fallen down. You can go back and you can apologize to the trees. You can apologize to those people and then they can choose whether to forgive you, but you cannot make any of that happen. It's all very metaphorical in a sense. It's very abstract. When we start to think about our negative thoughts and our emotions as we look through this forest and we start to worry about potential hurdles and pitfalls that are up ahead, what I want you to focus on is that when you have been pushed up against a wall, you have figured out ways to achieve your way through those obstacles. 
Perhaps not as great and grand as you would have preferred, but you still figured out a way. Perhaps you left a job and thought that that was the light at the end of the tunnel, just to see that that be taken away and find yourself back at the old job. And you had all these concerns and all these worries, yet you still landed on your feet. You still were able to get back that old job. You were still able to bring in the income that you knew you needed to create stability in your life in order for you to continue focusing on your sobriety and recovery. Perhaps you were future pacing uh, a loved one rejecting you because of your addiction. And when you finally sat down with them and had this conversation, they were willing to work with you in order to help you achieve sobriety and then recovery. Perhaps you thought you had an honest relationship in your life just to find out that that other person's forest was just as deep, just as dark, just as full of thorns and Georgia moss choking their life out. And they've made horrible decisions that have affected you but you are figuring your way out. This is the amazing resiliency of the human spirit. We don't stop. Even when we think we've stopped and we turn back to our drug of choice or our booze or whatever it might be, we come out on the other side still desiring that initial promise to ourselves be met, that we will figure out a way through this addiction. Personal forgiveness and allowing yourself the grace to have made mistakes in your past You have to figure out a way to look yourself in the mirror and say, I forgive you for all the times you disappointed you. This lantern in this forest, this light, that is the forgiveness. Forgiveness is the light. It will help you navigate in the darkness of this forest. The first person you need to forgive is yourself because you had hopes and you dreams and aspirations And then you went off and you got yourself an addiction and shit went fricking sideways. Just looking in the mirror and saying, I forgive you. I love you. And realizing that you are your biggest challenger. It says on my phone and has for freaking years now, years now that look in the mirror. That's your competition. That's your competition is yesterday and stopping future pacing about tomorrow. In this forest, you are in the now. If you are thinking about the future, then you're going to trip over a log. You're going to step on a snake. You're going to walk into a beehive. Be in the now. I don't know how many times I have said this, and I will continue to repeat it till I finally feel like it gets through to the entire world. The number one way out of your head is through your body. Get out of your head, get into your body, walk 10,000 steps, sprint to your mailbox, pick up something heavy for no reason and carry it somewhere, set it down, pick the damn thing back up and carry it back to where you got it from and just do that for an hour. Your body has a lot less energy to get all up in your head and start worrying about shit that happened a long time ago or might happen in the future when it's out of breath. You want to practice personal forgiveness as the starter of the light. Then in the forest of the darkness and despair, you continue to move forward. It was said in the tribe today that somebody's uh, loved one said, just stop, just stop using. And then it became a conversation about whether stopping using is hard or easy. Well, if you want to step back from it and literally with no judgment, No judgment at all. Just hear this out and embrace it as an idea, as a thought experiment. That stopping is easy. Just stop. 
There's a funny thing on uh, YouTube. If you were to Google, uh, I think it's Bob Newhart, psychiatrist. It was one of these comedy shows from like the 1990s where a woman comes in with problems and he just yells, stop it at her over and over and over and over again. We stop things every single day. We stop using to go to sleep. I used to smoke cigarettes and I was like, man, it's just so hard to stop. And someone's like, well, you stop for about eight hours whenever you go to sleep. What's stopping you from continuing to stop when you wake up? That's the thoughts. That's the feelings. That's the habit loop we've got ourselves into. Stopping's the easy part. You could stop using for five minutes, but then you don't feel like five minutes is a big accomplishment because lots of times you might stop for five minutes. So then you can stop for five hours. Does that feel like an accomplishment? What if it's five days? What if it's 50 days? What is your convincer strategy? And why are you so hard on yourself to convince yourself that you're moving forward? If you were using consistently 15 times a day a month ago, and now you're down to five, where's the confetti for you? Why aren't you celebrating that? The personal forgiveness becomes the light. It's the action that gets us moving through the forest. As this bear, I can lumber through the forest, and yes, I am strong and I am powerful, but I still cannot just push around trees. Sometimes you have to go under, above. Sometimes you just have to merely walk past the broken relationship that is this tree in this metaphor and just realize that it can't be fixed. When we practice self-forgiveness, we become our own light. We illuminate ourselves through the forest. We begin to heal. We begin to accept ourselves. These negative thoughts, these negative feelings that we have that begin to trigger the using, that's rumination. That's overthinking. We get ourselves stuck in this thought loop and we're so used to it that we just continue doing it and doing it and doing it. I still do this shit for today. Today, I started making up this whole story in my head. Future pacing stuff that may or may not happen three, five, seven years from now. I went down this ridiculous spiral. I had to go on a walk just to get myself out of it. And then the walk wasn't doing it well enough. So then I started to do little wind sprints. And when that still wasn't working, I went out and found some of my favorite Muse songs. I think it's called Exogenesis, part one, two, and three. Fucking love this, this little three-song mini opera that Muse created. And I just listened to it on repeat and went out and got myself three, four, five thousand steps, something like that. And finally was able to just snap it. I just, and here's what I did. I just let it play out. I imagined that what if this thing happened in five years? What would I do? How would I maneuver my life? I started coming up with solutions for shit that may never even happen. And were the solutions realistic? Who cares? Because at this point, I'm making crap up in my mind anyways. I'm literally making up a problem that may or may not exist, probably like a 20% chance that it would actually happen. So why not just make up a solution? Breaking the cycle and staying grounded in the present moment is going to require movement from your body. You want to sit on the couch staring at the television and expecting anything to change. And it's, you're going to be vastly disappointed when nothing changes. I read this study as some of them for one of my school things. And I think I've talked about this before, but I actually went out and like found studies about this, that there's something about the way the human mind works when it's moving forward. I mean, it's moving in general, but this one study was about moving forward. It's something about how the scenery moving through your peripheral vision actually helps the brain um, 
focus in on things. And they think that it has a lot to do with back in the day when we were like cave people, that when we were moving, we were hyper aware of everything within our peripheral vision, because if we weren't, a saber-toothed cat could jump out of a bush and rip us into pieces and turn us into dinner. So the brain gets super hyper-focused and aware whenever it's moving, because it's keeping an eye on what's happening around us. Now, when I go on these walks, I follow a very particular path so that I can be in my head because there's a lot of things that I'm trying to work out with the podcast, with the business, with the clients. I'm, I'm thinking about lots of things. But when I find myself just trancing through this walk, that's when I'll pick up the pace or that's when I'll run backwards for 10 seconds and then sprint forwards for another five seconds. Something to pop myself out of the trance, but I want to continue moving forward. I love moving forward. I never even realized this was a thing until I started to walk more frequently. Now that I'm literally like three or four years into averaging 10,000 steps a day, I'm noticing a shifting of my behavior. Getting into your body is going to help you maneuver through these negative thoughts and feelings. It's rumination. It's overthinking. You can be pacing back and forth in one little area. But at some point, you just trans out into that area. You have to begin to adventure into deeper parts of the forest in order to make it through the forest. Break the cycle. Stay grounded in the present moment. Look around on your walk. What are five things you can see? What are four things you can hear? What are three things you can feel? Is there anything that you can taste or anything that you can smell? Because if you're, if it has this bear pacing anxiously in circles in the forest, this is the overthinking. I want me as this bear to pause, take a breath, find clarity. What is this negative thought or emotion trying to teach me in the moment? Is it challenging me? Is it, is it right here in the very moment saying, what in the fuck is going on in your head? Is it a challenge? Because it's not a villain. We don't live in that world. It's a challenger. So what is it asking me to create? Is it the opposite of what the thought and feeling is? Or is it just one degree to the left or right of what the thought or feeling is? When we ground ourselves in the moment, in the present moment, look around for five things you can see, four things you can hear, three things you can feel, two things you can smell, one thing you can taste. You get into the mindfulness. You get into actionable steps. There's this very interesting commercial right now with Matthew McConaughey. Um, You may have seen this because it plays during sporting events, but I'm sure it plays other times as well where he's talking about artificial intelligence. And, he, and at the end of one of them, I might be paraphrasing here because this just came to mind, he asked, you know, will um, AI uh, gain self-awareness? Who will gain self-awareness first, AI or us? And what's so, uh, you got chills just now saying it. What's so powerful about that is as a species, we suck at self-awareness. It is the very first pillar of emotional intelligence. Go find the Emotional Intelligence 2.0 book. Self-awareness and self-management are the very first two pillars right above social awareness and relationship management. Self-awareness is at its cornerstone just being able to stop and really asking, like, what is really happening right now? Am I going to allow this thought and this feeling to derail these desires of sobriety, recovery, of happiness, of contentment? Am I going to allow this inanimate object that I have been using as my medicine, but is so clearly now poison? Am I going to allow this to derail me? What can I do right now to maneuver through this thought, to maneuver through this feeling? Get up and move your body. 
And if you're laying in bed and it starts to ruminate and destroy you, you can you have a choice. Either continue laying in bed and allowing it to just keep pounding, pounding, pounding at you, or get up. I mean, I'm telling you, in my beginning stages of sobriety and recovery, I would literally get out of bed and just do push-ups until I couldn't do push-ups anymore. I spent hours in the gym just because I did not want to spend hours at home. Mindfulness. Actionable steps start with action in your steps. Now, let's talk about the facing the external judgment. Other people are looking upon your forest. They're talking about how you used to behave. You're basing your self-worth on other people's opinions. And I get it. Long, 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 long time ago, I could hear those people saying that if I didn't follow the societal rules, I would be ostracized from the tribe. Back when we were cave people, ostracizing a person from the tribe was, was imminent death. They were not going to survive out there on their own. So we as a species, we as a humans taught ourselves, better not do anything to get ostracized. Better make sure everybody likes me, everybody loves me, everybody cares about me. Better make sure that I am a viable member of this tribe because I'll find myself out on my ass and now I'm getting eaten by saber-toothed cats and stomped on by woolly mammoths. I get it. We don't live in that kind of world anymore. In fact, now there are millions upon millions of little social circles we can find ourselves in where people will accept us for who we are and the challenges and the journey that we are currently on. You are going to you're going to face these beasts within your forest. They are challenging you to continue to push forward. Instead of allowing other people who say, Jesse, you can't do that. When I hear I can't do something, I want to do it even more. Now, if somebody says, I don't, Jesse, you cannot jump off of that 10-story building and land on your feet like Tigger. I'm like, okay, you're totally correct about that. But perhaps there's a way I could bungee jump off of it. I don't do those kind of risky behaviors anymore, but I'm just trying to make sure that in case you're going off in your own little spiral right now, that you're not like, well, some people can't, you know, jump in front of a moving bus. I mean, let's, let's reel it into like normalcy for a moment. Like when we're talking about, Hey, you can't make it 30 days sober. Hey, you can't write your own book. Hey, you can't change your career at 47. You can't get straight A's in master's school. You can't juggle, you know, uh, all these clients and all these uh, business relationships and all of this writing of the book. And you can't keep a podcast going for five years. And you can't, you know, get down to your freshman year in college weight at 47. When people tell me these things that I can't, that are within my control, that are about how much effort, how much discipline, how much willpower, how much desire is within me to accomplish something, please, shit. If I want that, it's mine. And the number one person who will try to tell me that I can't do something is inside my head. But it's not my voice. It's not my voice. Maybe it's my dad's voice. Maybe it's a girlfriend from, you know, 1997. Maybe it's a family member from 2001. Maybe it's just some random person who flipped me off in their car one day because they were having a shittier day than me that for some reason I keep replaying in my head because then I went to an event that was really important and I didn't do so well and I thought, you know what, that was probably the universe telling me to fuck off. Whatever I'm making up in my head, whatever voices I hear in there, they're not mine. The true Jesse, he wants the best for Jesse. And he hopes that what's best for Jesse is, is best for the people that he loves and best for the world at large. And he puts a lot of effort in trying to make sure that there's a balance in there. But at the end of the day, 
I'm the only one who will love me as much as I want to be loved. To build my own self-esteem, it requires me to take action and follow through on the promises I make to myself. I don't I don't rely on external validation, but I do enjoy it. My love language isn't affirmations, but I like them. One of the hardest things that I had to teach myself many, many years ago, even when I was still in my active addiction, was how to just say thank you when somebody complimented me. Wow, Jesse, you're, you know, you're looking really good today. You've been taking care of yourself at the gym. Oh, yeah, I have. But man, I mean, I got to say, you look just as amazing. I don't deflect compliments anymore. I embrace them. I save them. I accept them. That's how I'm building my self-esteem, by knowing that I'm putting in maximum effort. I came up with this wild-ass idea to do a podcast every day. I don't really have the time to do it. But guess what? I created the time. I did not think I had the time when I came up with this idea. And it's like, well, this is going to be fun to figure out. But yeah, here I am. I'm figuring it out. Did I think about all the time I was going to have to spend on the master's degree? But I figured it out. I was in this forest. I was taking on these challenges because I know that the more I push myself forward through the negative thoughts, through the negative feelings, that I will begin to forgive myself more and more. The light will get brighter. The, the trail will begin to clear. As this mythical, you know, creatures of, of, you know, deceit and envy and lies and jealousy and shame and guilt try to come down upon my, you know, my metaphorical bear in this forest and I'm pumping my hand in the air right now, there's going to be judgmental figures all along the way. There could literally be people in your life judging you, saying negative things to you because they see you succeeding. And if you succeed, that makes them feel even more self-conscious. Now they have to look in the mirror and they have to ask themselves, why aren't they succeeding? Well, I thought I was better than Jesse. And now Jesse's going off and doing great things. What's that say about me? Well, fuck, I don't want to have to contend with that question. So let's just go over here and try to tear down Jesse so he stops trying so hard. My bear no longer fears the external judgment. He hears it for what it really is. A projection of that own person's inadequacies, internal desires of change, just being projected outwardly in hopes that that might stagnate me, that might stop me. The bear is strong. It doesn't rely on other people's opinions. It knows that whenever it gets up to terminal velocity, velocity that it can ram through this forest. It can rip through the thorn bushes. I build the internal self-esteem from within. As you journey through your forest, it's a transformative experience. There is a valley this valley of self-discovery, the mountain of accomplishment. Listen to yourself. If negative thoughts and feelings continue to persist, don't resist them. Ask them, why are you here? Why are you here? When we embrace the journey through our dark forest, there are valleys, there are mountains, and in some days you might be in the forest, other day, in the same day, you might be in the valley and on the mountain. You might literally be on the mountain and then boom, something happens and you find yourself right back in the forest. It's almost as if time and space don't even exist in this metaphor. <laughs> Here's the thing about this metaphor. 
um, in my human design, which is something one of my NLP instructors, uh, one of my co-trainer, Aubrey Pohl, she's into human design. And so she's got me on my experiment and she tells me that I am a, uh, I'm a generator. I'm a creative generator, which means that I work best when I just speak off the cuff and I don't write things down. So I come up with ideas before the show and then I just, and I literally will try to think through everything I'm going to say. And then my brain starts to fold in on itself because I start creating all these forks in the road. Well, I could say this, or I could say that. And once the, once all that thinking finally collapses down on itself and I'm left back in the exact same spot I was before I did all that thinking, which is right where I am in the here and now, I just hit record and say, fuck it, let's go. Can you take on that kind of mentality? Because we can sit here and we can try to future our future pace ourselves through all the different pathways we think are within this forest. And certainly we've all walked in a real forest. And yes, sometimes there are trails that make it substantially easier. And other times I just go. And if there's a rock, I walk around it. And if there's a big log, I go under it. And if I see a snake or a beehive or a big anthill, I go around it in a, in a safe way. But I keep moving up the mountain. And when I start trying to future pace all the different pathways I could take, and I used to literally have a forest right outside my window at my old house here in Huntsville. And I've walked up it many a times, never taking the same path twice because there was no trail. And as I worked my way, and literally this forest is on the mountain. And then there would be these openings, much like the Valley of Sunshine and Self-Discovery I've talked about. You could literally be on a mountain, walking through a deep, dense forest, find openings of sunshine and hope and, and, and faith, and then find yourself right back in the forest. But I'm still going up the mountain. Some people ask me, how is it I figure out a way to do all the things that I do? And it is an internal drive. And is it pushed on by shame or guilt or self-judgment? Sometimes, sometimes it is. Sometimes I literally beat up myself because I'm not more financially stable. I don't have the career that I always desired when I was 20 years old, that I'm still trying to figure out who Jesse wants to be at 47. Yeah, I beat myself up about that stuff. And then I take action. And when people ask me, man, you seem like you're working on a lot of things. How is it you figure out how to do all this stuff? One, I'm pretty freaking organized. And that's been a painful, at times, lesson to teach myself on organization. I certainly let a lot of things slip through the cracks. You can ask some of my clients. I'll be like, yeah, I'll text you back later. And then like two days later, I'm like, and here I am. Thank you very much for being patient with me. Then I learn a better way of strategizing through that by putting it on my P4F list, by making sure it shows up on my calendar. But where I'm going with this is it reminds me of a line from a movie called Gattaca with Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. And, and in this movie, Ethan Hawke is posing as somebody who is privileged and has the right genetic code in order to achieve things in this society. And his brother was somebody who was born into that world where he had the perfect DNA and was, was already allotted into this upper echelon of society, even though he hadn't really done anything to earn it. And Ethan Hawke, meanwhile, was a natural birth who had to earn his way in and lie and cheat in order, well, he didn't really cheat, but he definitely lied in order to get himself into this upper echelon world. And his brother asked them, asked him at one point, how is it that you always beat me in the swim? And because they did this thing where they would swim as far as they could until one of them just decided to quit and start swimming back. And when Ethan Hawke's character was asked this by his brother, because Ethan Hawke would win these swimming races consistently, his response was, I didn't leave anything for the swim back. 
That's how I accomplish what I accomplish. That's how I stay fired up. I'm not trying to leave anything for the swim back. Because I already have seen my perseverance. I have already seen my desire and my discipline and my diligence and my resiliency at work. I will always have something left in the tank for the swim back. So I'm not going to think about leaving anything for the swim back. I'm going to continue to plow forward as hard as possible. Because you know what? In this analogy, I don't want to go fucking back. I want to swim all the way to the other side of the water until I find the other land. Why would I want to go back to the land I was already on? I'm looking for new land. And that analogy and metaphor might work in some regards. And other times it's like, well, wait, 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 wait. I do want to go out on my speaking tour and then still come home. But you get where I'm going with this. I don't leave anything for the swim back. I'm not going to let an inanimate object defeat me. I'm not going to let thoughts and feelings that I'm ruminating on about how other people judge me, about my own past, about my fears and anxieties and stresses about the future to have me standing still in this forest. Because I know that if I keep moving forward, that I will find the opening. I will find the sunshine. There is a peak. There are valleys. This is the part of the human experience that is majestic and is amazing. This is why we never know what's going to happen on each and every day. But as this bear ascending the mountain, I will begin to achieve things. I will begin to hang my hat on these little accomplishments. But yeah, I'm going to hang one of my many hats on there, but that's not where I stop. You have accomplished so many things in your life. So many things that you were doing during your hardcore addiction, you were able to utilize as ways to be resilient, has ways to push through difficult times. Barely had any money, but you still had enough resources to figure out how to get some money for your drugs, keep your house, over, keep your roof over your head, keep a modicum of food in the refrigerator, had enough money to make sure that there was beer, but you kept your cell phone going, still had electricity. Yeah, maybe not every month or on time, but you had it, you figured it out. Let's just take those talents we we utilize during our hardcore active addiction and let's just show ourselves how useful those talents are now in sobriety and recovery. You're going to have this Georgia Moss on you and it could potentially be choking the life out of you, but it's your choice to not shed that. That Georgia Moss is other people's judgments, other people's decisions about who you are. You do not have to choose to let that continue to grow on you. The fallen trees, the darkness, the bees, the thorny bushes. Yeah, those things are there. But we don't have to stop and stare at them. We don't have to try to reach our hand in there and get slashed and get cut. We can choose to move through it. We can choose to move past it. Thoughts and feelings are going to exist. Trying to push all negative thoughts and feelings away is a fool's errand. Realize that you are in your forest. And it can be a forest of despair or it could be a forest of hope. But that's your choice. Each and every day, we have thousands upon thousands of choices. And maybe just stopping for five more minutes is your end goal for the day. Or maybe it's stopping for five more hours or five more days or five more weeks. Whatever it ultimately becomes for you, that's for you to decide. 
in the next episode, I will discuss with you how I coach people utilizing neuro-linguistic programming to lessen the impact of those thoughts and those feelings. But for this one, which should have been substantially shorter, I guess this is the long one for the week. Um, what was important for me is to just, I don't know. I don't know if I got the goal out on this one. I don't know if maybe this is just one of those I needed to hear. Practical advice, actionable steps. I mean, you can Google 50 ways to letting go negative emotions and negative thoughts and negative feelings. But in the end, those are just recycled tropes that everybody is trying to push upon you as the way out. And in the end, what works for you? In the past, when the negative thoughts and the negative feelings did not take you off your path, did not have you stand still in the forest, what were you doing? What was helping you in that moment? Was it having somebody else around to support you? Was it being in your body and going on a walk or lifting something heavy, getting yourself out of breath? I'll say this and close out on this because I I don't know where else I could take this, this metaphor at this point, is that in change work that we teach within neuro-linguistic programming, one of the main things that we discuss is, is the change you are seeking to make something you can start doing on your own and that you can sustain and maintain on your own? And what's so important about that is that if we're consistently needing somebody else to get us to the meeting or to motivate us up off the couch to go to the gym. There's going to be a time in that other person's life where they can't be a part of taking us to the meeting or getting us to the gym. We have to be willing to motivate ourselves in that moment to continue on even though they canceled or even though their plans changed. It has to be something that you can sustain and maintain on your own. Yes, We want support. We want connection. We are humans. We need those things. But at the end of the day, it's up to you to continue moving forward, even if everybody else in your support system is just busy with their own lives in the moment. Many people in the tribe have faced some amazing challenges over the last few months, leaving one job just to find themselves back at the other job but yet with a different perspective on how grateful they can be for just the opportunity and the ability to do that job. Struggling back and forth with addiction and wondering when the next shoe will drop, but yet figuring out another day to step up and be there for their kids when they need to be there for their kids. thinking that they were the problem in the relationship just to find out that the other person had just as many dark demons and mythical beasts in their forest as they thought they had in theirs and realizing that, you know what? Maybe so much of this negative self-talk about myself was unwarranted. And maybe all along I was doing the best I could with the resources I had in the moment. And maybe now I can stop looking at other people for validation for who I am because I know I'm busting my freaking ass over here. We have earned our love from ourselves. We have stepped up when siblings needed us. We have taken care of their children when things went sideways. We have accepted that call when the person was most at need and did what we could for them in that moment. Let's step back for just 
a brief respite, a deep breath, and realize that every single day we are pushing forward in this crazy world of adulting. There's no book for this. The world's changing so quickly, so rapidly, that new mental health you know, uh, issues are popping up every single day. We just went through a major worldwide pandemic where we were told to stay in our houses for a year, year and a half, in some states, two years, for fear of death. We did what we could in the moment. And now we're in this moment. What are you going to do with this moment? This is the moment that matters. Because the choices you make now, they will change the moments your future pacing about. The ones you're worried about, those moments may never come to light because of the actions that you take right now today could drastically affect them. It's like the movie The Butterfly Effect with Ashton Kutcher. You never know that, I mean, what is the saying? You know, a butterfly flaps its wings in Brazil and it causes a monsoon in, you know, Thailand. Now, I don't think a butterfly flapping its wings can literally create a weather atmospheric shift, but the theory is there that you never know what action you take today, how that might change your future. And the thoughts and feelings that you're having now about yourself from about yesterday or the fears you have about tomorrow, all of that could be completely different in an hour, in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year. How often do you recycle negative thoughts, negative feelings, negative emotions, and that just becomes your day-to-day, 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 day-to-day life. And it either stops you from taking on new challenges or it keeps you from seeing your successes. And then a week passes, and do you even remember what you were afraid of last week? But you allowed it to alter your emotions then, and that could be drastically, drastically changing your now. Sacrifice today for the sense of accomplishment tomorrow. And that starts with realizing that your thoughts and your feelings are fleeting. Put them on a little sailboat, push them off into the river, and watch them go over the waterfall. Look at yourself in the mirror. Tell yourself that you love you. And then get your body in motion. As always, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober. Shout out to Sunshine and Robert. Glow on. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Looking in the mirror and being disappointed with the person looking back at you is demoralizing. How are you supposed to build yourself up when all the while you're beating yourself down inside your head? The problem you run into is your mind runs on thousands of programmed loops, and these loops direct when you smile, frown, laugh, and get sad, amongst the many other emotions available to us. These loops also direct when you push through a challenge and when you fall back into patterns and habits that are wrecking your life. This show aims to directly speak to your subconscious mind and create new pathways of behaviors. And yet some of y'all need a little more guidance than that. 
Imagine there's a version of you locked inside you, banging to get out, and all you need are the keys. When used in order, will unlock yourself from yourself. There are infinite keys, and I have trained myself first on me, then with hundreds of clients just like you, to unlock our potential so we can free ourselves from our addictions and negative self-talk. If you are ready to change everything by changing the smallest things, go to jessemogul.com slash me and fill out a coaching questionnaire today. Nothing changes until you decide you want to change. Let's do it together. Do you love the topics on this show? Are you interested in knowing how I radically changed my perspective on my life and the world? Are you ready to change your thinking so your feelings and actions are directed by your optimistic and empowered self? I teach neuro-linguistic programming to people just like you. NLP teaches us to guide our minds to envision your life in amazing ways and then guides you to find that internal desire to actually go and take action. If you are tired of starting and stopping, quitting when the going gets tough, not achieving the changes you so desperately desire, then NLP is just as ready for you as you are ready for it. Go to jessemogul.com slash ask me and complete the NLP questionnaire today. Classes start in the spring. See you then. One last advert, my friends. I'm a one-man band over here. If you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon, Stand Store, or buy me a cup of coffee. Any support I receive goes directly to growing this show, my channel, and my business of providing support to those who need it most. From driving to speak at addiction recovery centers, to coaching and mentoring those seeking sobriety and recovery, to paying for all the software that keeps this all going, any support you bring will be well received. Thank you for being a loyal listener and for patiently waiting for these adverts to end. I specifically choose not to promote other companies' products on my show because I don't know if their stuff is a great fit for you, but I'm pretty sure mine is. If you would like more information on how to support me through Patreon, the Stand Store, or buy me a cup of coffee, all that information is located in the show notes. All right, my friends, it's been a pleasure having you here. See you on the next episode. Oh, 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 oh,